Good afternoon. Welcome to the Fontenelle Final Bell here on the Rural Radio Network. Let's look at this market today, including what's been going on in this cattle market. Are we going to start to see maybe a little bit of a downward trend? We'll also talk in the second half about the corn basis and what that means. We know a lot of snow moving in through the upper Midwest over the weekend. Heck, Duluth, Minnesota had 24-plus inches. So we know that some issues out there. And Brad Coyman is joining us today with Coyman, Coyman, Verilik. And let's start out with this cattle market, Brad, as we look at the numbers We've had some solid weeks for this cash cattle. We certainly have, Susan. And thank you for having me on. I always enjoy this a lot. Um, the the uh, cattle are on almost a 2014-like up move here, um, where I guess I didn't add it exactly, but we're close to 60 days off of the low here, <clears throat> you know, the post-fire low, without really much of a correction at all uh quite remarkable um if only we could get something like that on like the hog market or something or corn huh or beans um so but anyway so you're into it it's, that's unusual i mean so you get you know this was this market overbought yeah uh, you know is, is this uh, normal but it was probably a little bit of a stretch to say that it's normal that we've had this big move um but the other thing that's been a little bit weird about it has been very contra-seasonal. This would be a time frame here from, well, really for about the last two, three weeks up until about the end of the first week of December where typically we would be a little bit lower, uh, you know, trending, and it certainly has not been. So I guess you kind of take the seasonal stuff and toss it out the window. Uh, we've had an amazing run with strength in the cash, um, and I think that's been the big driver here. Um, as we continue to... Um, you know, go into every week thinking, boy, I wonder if we can be higher this week. And we kind of dink around on a Wednesday and then all of a sudden Thursday, Friday, boom, 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 cash markets up a couple dollars. Uh, uh, you know, Packers done a decent job of getting cattle dead all through this post fire period. Um, you know, boxes, anybody ask you about demand, tell them demand is not good. It's fantastic. Box beef, big, big margins for the Packers. And of course, when they get st- stressed a little bit, they don't want to miss out on it so they're willing to pay up a little and they're still got huge margins because the box beef is so high so now <laughs> where's the rubber meet the road here a little bit i gotta admit i'm curious you know they're gonna go back to work at holcomb this month this week in fact uh start to kill a few um there are some and i'm guess i'm in that camp that wonder if we're going to see some further weakness in the beef market as we get to more of a less stressed uh less worry am i going to get the the meat i need bought blah 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 uh back to a more normal killing pattern whether we're actually maybe going to see a market might sell off a little bit after the fire i know that sounds counterintuitive but i do wonder about that susan well, as you look at this market, and obviously there's those things that are factoring in, like the Holcomb, Kansas plant, where we're sitting at the cash, heading into holiday before we know it in full swing. Can we see some sort of correction, and will it be just a little dip, or is it going to be something that you're going to sit up and take notice? I lean toward thinking the market can get a 2 or $3 correction from here. Um, and you're getting one guy's guess. Uh, if if the February cattle take out 120, I think 123.12 is kind of where I've got my bit of a line drawn in the sand. Uh, I don't like that statement usually, but that would be an area that if we got through that, I'd be quite worried. Okay, and that's coming off of a high of 127.15, so that's four dollars off of the highs. We haven't break four. <coughs> excuse me, we haven't broke four dollars off the highs since the low was made back there in September. So I would 
keep an eye on that. I, I, I think at this point that that'll hold. Um, that level will hold anyway, is, is, is my opinion. So short term, we do have a few little yellow flags, <coughs> excuse me, and that would be we did have a weekly reversal down on the feeder cattle last week, too, or a monthly reversal down, rather. Do you have any concerns about cattle weights at this point, considering what the weather's been like? Great question. Wow. So here's the reality of the weights. <clears throat> Last week's data, <clears throat> which is two weeks old when you get it, had carcass weights at 885, steer and heifer carcass weights, versus the week prior was 882. Same week a year ago was 876. We're nine over a year ago. Contra-seasonal that we would see increasing weights this time of year. Um, which goes to a whole broader question that you and I have talked about before. Why? I believe it's because the North hasn't been able to kill cattle and as a timely as timely as they would have had it not been for the fire. I believe that the fire there, uh, the the guys that all had all the formula deals, and there was a million of them at that plant, that Finney County plant. They were able to <coughs> move cattle around and 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 take care of most of their formula customers at the expense of the cash negotiated customers. And then we had better weather up until the last week or so, you know, but uh, we had improved weather conditions starting really back in August. So that in a premium structured futures market is a little risky because you, you incentivize the producer to make them bigger because it appears like the market's going higher. So that would be a warning sign too. Good question. What about the USDA? I mean, I know that in the last two weeks they've kind of put a push on people that says, hey, you're supposed to be reporting um, export numbers and, and information with livestock. Is that going to cause? Uh-huh. You're going to get me in trouble, aren't you? Today, no, aren't you, I'm just Susan? curious. Um, <laughs> uh, I'm yeah, because I'm dumb enough to speak bluntly. Um, I think the the main thing that you that the, the, with your question is 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 your comment is is a great one, um, and and particularly when it relates to the hogs, um, as we segue, huh? The the okay, so Smithfield was bought out by a Chinese principled company. You don't suppose that they're actually maybe selling them some pork, maybe. I don't know. Could be, right? I mean, how naive do they think we are? Um, so this weekly export number that comes out on Thursdays, <clears throat> unless it's Thanksgiving, but, I mean, a non-holiday Thursday, you get export data. Corn, beans, uh, orange juice, beef, pork, you name it. Okay, we've been wondering, you know, once in a while we'll get a week where we'll show a big influx of, oh, boy, we did sell a lot of pork finally to China, and then we'll go through weeks where we don't sell any. Now, what that report I, is, is entails is, I understand, muscle cuts. We've got more coming up. It's the Fontenelle Final Bell on the Rural Radio Network. Welcome back to the Fontenelle Final Bell here on the Rural Radio Network. I'm Susan Littlefield, and Brad Coima joins us. Before I abruptly cut you off as we were talking about this USDA reports, as you look at the USDA saying that they're going to be working to get more concise and more information coming in, how do you see that playing into the way we see these hog markets trade? Well, I think that <clears throat> I think that there's a fairly high level of um, um, oh, what's the word I want here? Um, right now, I think with, with some of the traders, the USDA doesn't have a, um, a whole lot of um, Credibility, um, I, I, you know, I think that there's still a number of folks that, like me, uh, that that wonder about the acres, wonder about the percentage of harvested acres. Um, 
wonder about yield when supposedly 10% of the corn is still in the field. Jeanette, how about that? That's awesome, isn't it? Um, the, the, uh, the, the hog thing, I think the hog trader, the way it acts to me is the long speculator has been um, beat up so many times on hopes that actually, okay, we finally have something going now with China. We finally are going to go... Uh, you know, you got a carcass value that would that that the Packers making nearly a hundred bucks a head, and yet the live value is that the live value in China is about um, six times the amount of what the hogs are worth here. It's 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 so absurd that it almost is hard to talk about. Um, the uh, I, um, I I think that if you would get a tangible name on the line whatever, uh, that we actually are doing real business and a signed agreement with China, I think then you'd probably see the hog futures engage. Until then, I think the long speculator has been beat up so many times that he doesn't dare to step back in the water. Will we see the cheapness, though, in these hogs continue as we get closer to 2020, or is it going to take a China deal and getting past December 15th to have anything happen? Well, I... To get something significant to the upside, we need a deal. <clears throat> now, that doesn't mean to say that this has to be bearish every day, right? I mean, this, 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 we're, we're just horrifically cheap already. Uh, the Packers got huge margins. Uh, if we would have any kind of bow our neck here ability on the part of the producer, which almost nobody negotiates any hogs anymore, but, you know, the, the, the Packers got plenty of margin that he could and should be able to share. So, I, I, with or without the China deal, does this thing have to break like this every day? I, I, I sure don't think it does. Um, I, I think maybe when we get to the middle of December, get rid of this December futures contract, look into February. You know, the seasonals do usually favor that we get better once we get December ripped off the calendar. So I, I guess I'd like to think so, but I've been surely disappointed before. You talked about those USDA numbers, and of course we're going to see come out this afternoon with the with the crop progress report, which saw the extension that at least 10% of this crop is still in the ground. So we know corn isn't going to come out of the fields because combines don't come with snow tires. Is the basis <laughs> going to do some changing because of that? Basis is an enigma right now, I think, on the market. Um, so I'm a dinosaur, as you know. It'll be 40 years I've done this coming up in June. Uh, one of the first things an old grain trader told me 39 years ago, probably, uh, he said, Brad, write this down. Basis, then the spreads, then the market. Uh, so every new employee I've had that are brokers anyway, I write that little post note and I stick it by their phone. Um, and that was his opinion of an over a, a healthy way to view the overall market and the overall market trends. <clears throat> in other words, so if first the basis starts to change, then the spreads within the markets will start to change, and then the overall market will start to change. Well, the basis levels on the corn where I live have never been like this, this time of year, ever. We are uh, sitting in a, where, where I am here, we're normally 40 to 45 under. We're anywhere from two to seven over on cash corn. Um, there would be some that would probably say that, you know, futures are the futures. What's real is what the cash is, and what's real is what the basis is. In other words, if we uh, were having this uh, ridiculous oversupply, we're flooding the market with corn, why in the world would we not have a basis that's more normal? Um, <clears throat> you know, I think it goes back to, in, in, in my opinion anyway, last year's crop was already overstated. I think that <clears throat> that started the whole ball rolling with tight basis, and this year's crop probably is too. So, uh, to me, when the basis is this strong, I, I, you know, I, I, 
I have to have some optimism for the overall trend of the market because of the strong basis. I think that's real. Uh, what's what's questionable is what the acres are, and I, I find it hard to even imagine that, you know, we're expecting that we got 10% of that crop back in the field, and that doesn't even help the market bounce a little bit, although we did have two up days in a row in the corn, which hasn't happened since the Dead Sea was still sick, so there's that. Dryer forecast in Argentina, is that playing any role in our soybean trade today? Well, it did until the China snafu this morning. Uh, you know, we come in this morning with some tangible, first time we had some threatening weather out of South America. Uh, 10 to 14 day forecast that's dry and they need a little rain. It's really early in their growing season, but first time finally we had a little bit of a threat to their crop. What's the best way for folks to get a hold of you, Brad? Hey, give me a call, 800-358-3047. And just a reminder, commodity futures and options involve substantial risk of loss and are not always suitable for all investors. That's the Fontenelle Final Bell being brought to you by Fontenelle and all the local dealers. You can check this out as a podcast through ruralradio.com or wherever you subscribe to podcasts. It's the Fontenelle Final Bell on the Rural Radio Network. You're listening to the Rural Radio Network.